Hello, this is Ken, your podcast preacher, and I want to welcome you back to Deep Waters. This podcast is brought to you by Applied Strengths Ministry, where we believe working together in our strengths is the effect of working out the will and calling of God in our lives. The title of this message is Calling All Fear, Calling All Fear. This is a multi-episode series in which this is episode two of three. Let's bring some history back so that we stay the course. As I stated in the last message, he wasn't necessarily in the deep as he was only about 200 cubits offshore. In my mind, I initially thought that a cubit was about the size of an ice cube. Don't judge me, there's a correlation. But for the inquiring minds, it is an ambiguous form of measurement, which is described as beginning at the elbow and ending at one of your fingers. Now the ambiguity comes when you have different length arms and the measurer, we will call him the measurer for this illustration, is a different measurer than the last one you built the house with. So I think that this form of measuring began in a leper colony. The story goes like this according to tradition. Hey Bob, can you um, bring over that forearm? We need to measure and plumb this wall. Bob responds, which one? There are so many. So the foreman thinks for a minute and states, bring over the same one we used last week so that the house stays square. Now it is only a traditional story, but well, anyways, Jesus showed up and healed all of them so they all had to go into a different trade. However, the practice of using forearms as a premier measuring tool for the construction industry remained in play for quite some years. So but would it have mattered to Peter that he was only 200 forearms from shore? I mean, look, Peter didn't present his case to the man on the shore like he did in Luke 5, 4, 8. They tossed the nets precisely as they were commanded. So now we return to Matthew 14, 29. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So now we can pick on Peter all we want as it relates to his apparent lack of faith. But who wouldn't want a disciple like this guy? Who of you would say it is too much work? Verse 30. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. So we see he saw, and that was the end of hydroplaning for him. We also see something of more importance, and that is that John more than willingly shares that Peter was afraid. You see, this is the fruit of fear. It kills faith and instills doubt. It also, if for only a brief moment, instilled the fear of death. Okay, so now I saved this last point for now because I saw it last. We see here that Peter immediately responded to the trouble. He perceived trouble, even though he only just began to sink. It is right here that we can learn to read the moment and then respond in faith. If you are prone to overreact to troublesome situations at the onset of the trouble, learn to give yourself some time to make a faith adjustment and bounce right back to the top of the thing. It sounds a little bit funny in that someone might call for fear in the face of fear. It seems to me it would be like calling for more fire in the midst of fire, or calling for more water while experiencing a flood. I'm as guilty of doing this as anyone who's listening. So we have this response to fear as an example in the Bible, and we will see that they were not berated because they got what they called for. Nope, Jesus just called in the weapons that cancel fear, which is the statement he used several times in the Bible, and which is, rather odd and seems a bit out of place, considering that they were in the middle of an event that, in most cases, would have caused anyone to cry out for fear. He said, be of good cheer. Yep. He told them right after he had scared the bejeebies out of them. And then he said, it is I. He then takes it a step further and explained the situation that they were in. So you could say, in essence, he gave them a reason to grab on to peace 
and didn't just leave them hanging on the rope of fear. It is interesting that in John 20, 26, he pops in right beside them, standing with them in the room. Bink, and he immediately says, Peace. John 20, 26. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Is Jesus like the Fonzie of their day or what? So you placed yourself in this moment, in this story. You were in a room talking about the whole event of Jesus, including his death. They did forget that he was coming back. And the fact that the same people who hated Jesus also hated you, and that if they killed someone as innocent as Jesus, they probably didn't need much reason to also start taking you out as well. So lots going on in the room, including the tension of the moments. All of a sudden, Jesus just appears in the conversation. By this we know that Jesus had a great sense of humor, and it's my thought that he may have even chuckled under his breath as he saw the looks on their faces. So the point of the story is that in this situation, he says, peace, and that is our weapon to fight off fear. Did I just give you the ending of the story without digging the well? Even if I did, the story is fun, so let us continue. So we go from every one of these hardened UFC-type fishermen to a mind-bending, we-see-a-ghost scenario, to a request for fear. Then out of nowhere, Peter, who in all likelihood is standing, because when you see a ghost, you always position yourself to run. <laughs> he called out to Jesus and told him to command him to come out to him. Perhaps Peter thought he could catch more fish by being in a position to be able to look down into the water and see the schools. Maybe Peter wanted to do this so that he could get back to the harbor and scare the bejeebies out of the other fishermen. But those are just two of my own personal possible scenarios. So unless there is something else hidden in these words, which could very well be, Peter shows great courage and faith in the very moment that fear is swirling around him. I mean, didn't they call for fear? And you would think that if they called for it, that fear would show up. Well, it did. In this moment, I see Peter like the fireman who runs past others who are fleeing a burning building to confront the flames, like a soldier who runs headlong into an artillery-filled field to seek justice, or a police officer who every day places their lives at risk so that an overly ignorant public can encounter the peace they have come to expect from our street military. Anyway, on with the wind. The Bible states when he saw that the winds were boisterous, he was afraid. I know he said more, and by all accounts, this could make a great faith teaching. But I see another strategy at play, and I want you to see it too so you are armed and equipped to deal with it in the event you ever go fishing and see a ghost. Throughout the Bible, we see that Jesus can chat it up with anything, including, but not limited to the winds and the waves, fig trees, animals, i.e. Balaam's donkey, speak to fire, the burning bush, and the three amigos in the Barbie. What I'm trying to illustrate here is that everything has life in it because God created everything, and life is found in him. Rocks would cry out, demons would hear and obey, and sin is crouching. I know you want to confirm that I'm not making these things up, so here we go, scriptural tubing. Matthew 8:23-27. Now when he got in the boat, his disciples followed him, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. His disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? 
Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Well, that's it for today. I know, we're right in the middle of scriptural reading, but we'll get to it next message. Remember, it's not what you find wrong or disagree with regarding these messages, or what you can take away from it. Together we can do more to impact the kingdom than if we work alone. Let's flip the script and kill, still, and destroy the works of the enemy, and create space for the light of life to shine through into people's lives. Plant a seed and click on the like and subscribe button. Let's build this ministry together. Thanks, and see you next time in deep waters.